Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review and uh, today I've got a uh, podcast regular, I think I'll call him, uh, Rory Canavan. Uh, Welcome Rory. Hi Martin, how are you? very well thank you um so we're recording this in the first week of january uh just blowing the cobwebs off from christmas do you have a good christmas break rory yeah yeah i just seem to eat my own body weight in uh, chocolate hobnobs and lindor so uh, <laughs> i i you know i need a boot camp definitely so um thank you for joining us uh, the plan for today is we're doing another session on iso uh, so we had a, a podcast uh, a month or so ago from Jason Keogh on the Dash 3 standard and Rory has kindly offered to share his experiences and views on Dash 1, the main best practice standard and in particular how we go about implementing it and how we can um, refer to it. And throughout the course of this podcast we're going to refer to one single image uh, that will accompany this podcast. So you'll either hopefully see it on your podcast listener device or you'll see it on the blog article that accompanies this this um, this podcast. Um, so, um, well, first first of all, before we dig into the detail, Rory, what are you up to these days? What does Sam Charter do? So, uh, what what we do is we take a if you like a, a technology agnostic approach to implementing SAM frameworks. Um, so we we lead with process primarily, and uh, we we look at, at that as the the glue of SAM. So we make sure then that as technology is implemented. Um, it fits with the um, the people that are in place and the licensing knowledge, uh, and we make sure that we align that to to business and IT goals. That's our um, our real sort of USP, I suppose, because we find that too many people just lead with the technology and then try and fit the company around it. Right. So let's just take that in context. So let's say you're engaging with a new client to help them do yes. Sam. Mm-hmm. They're standing up a practice. Um, do they come to you clutching the standards, say, hey, I'm inspired by this, can we implement it? Or do you refer them to the standard? Or how does how does it come up in conversation? How, why are we even talking about the standard? Um, yeah, generally speaking, people will have, um, it'll, it'll be buzzing around in the ether. You know, Dash 1 will be sort of, uh, uh, yeah, we've got this idea of ISOs. And so if you've got this, um, notion of, of certification of how to achieve various um, aspects of business, then um, plugging into an ISO around software asset management is, is uh, quite attractive. Um, we, we try to make people aware uh, from the outset of the um, potentially the large amount of work that would be um, required to achieve that. There are, are certain uh, pitfalls in actually seeking to uh, um, go for the for the dash one standard um, as much because of the the amount of work involved. I think people think it's going to be a um, a tick box ex- tick box exercise and they're just going to carry on as normal. We have to sort of um, appraise them of that, of that, and it's 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 not that way forward at all. Well, I'd like to uh, pick your brains on what those pitfalls might be, but before we do that, let's dig into your approach to 
Sam. Um, yes. So I'm referring to this document that I've got in, this image that I've got in front of me, which is which starts uh, on the top left with a, a risk assessment or gap analysis. So tell me, tell me how that comes about, and um, it's fairly common for most IT practices outside of ITAM to start mm -hmm. with some sort of risk assessment or gap analysis. How, how does that come about? Well, primarily an organisation, if they've if they've approached me, we we have our own um, um, online maturity assessment, which we would put in front of the client. Um, the reason we do this is because we want to make sure that is if if an organisation does have elements of SAM that are are worth keeping or worth improving upon, we actually need to know what they are so that we we jigsaw on top of those um, or or seek to improve them wherever possible. Um, what we don't want to do is is ride roughshod over um, the way IT is being operated currently and just throw everything out and say, well, that's rubbish. You know, go go with the the SAM charter approach. Um, so that's why we uh, we we look to adopt um, a gap analysis from the outset. Then at that point. And what sort of um, risks, what sort of risks are we looking for here? What's what's the nature of a risk assessment? So the the risk assessments really are. It'd be things like. Um, the way we've scored or mechanized the um, the approach really from a process perspective is, is we've got five tiers against which we judge um, a, a maturity of a process starting out not practiced or not documented right through to practice documented reviewed and aligned to IT or business strategy and and shades in between then so um, if an organization you know tries to sort of I don't know, sugarcoat their, their approach through and say, oh yes, well we've got a process around um, requesting software that is uh, um, practiced, documented and reviewed in the last 12 months. Um, after the analysis and the, the, the results have sort of spit out of the report that we, we generate, um, I'll, I'll hold them to task and I'll say, right, show me that document. Uh, show me what you're doing. Show me the KPIs. Um, and let's see if that's actually something that is um, is worthy of, of building upon. It's not something that you're just sort of ticking off and saying, yes, we have. Let's move on to something else. Um, so, so yes, and and you know, there's obviously many more um, sort of processes that we we drill down on then at that that point. So you you start with the risk assessment, and yes. presumably you're building some sort of business case to to quantify the risk, and therefore, Mr. Senior Manager. Or Miss, Mrs. Senior Manager, for that matter. Here's the risk, and this is why we need to do something about it. And then, how do you then take that on? How do you then progress that? Yeah, I, I suppose it depends on the 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 stage that an organisation is actually at. Because we, the, uh, as the diagram is represented at the front there, you might argue that between the risk assessment and gap analysis, there is another space for a a business case. Um, but let's. For the purposes of the diagram, let's assume that the business case has been ticked off and we move forward. What we uh, we look to do then is to come up with some sort of ITAM policy or governance document um, that actually captures all the, the, the business risks and the business requirements, all the IT risks and IT requirements, and also then all the, the, the SAM risks and SAM requirements as well. So you have, a, if you like, a playbook um, potentially of... Um, what the the business actually wants out of SAM, 
uh, and these could include um, directly or indirectly information security uh, goals, service management goals, business continuity management and disaster recovery goals. So it's not purely about the generation of license compliance reports. Um, that document should then contain or, or mention at least the processes that comprise the framework that manage software through the company. So what does that, how does that uh, governance document, what does that look and feel like and where does it live and who owns it? Well, again, it's, it's, a, it's a case by case basis. It depends on where the company actually wants it. Do they want a, a you know, a, shall we say a traditional Word document? Um, and by and large, that, that does most people. Um, it could be that they want to sort of put it on the company intranet and, um, you know, turn it into company-only web pages and that's fine too. Um, it's it's really whatever flavour the company wants then, whatever works best. It, it's more a case of making sure that the uh, the content is um, is appropriate and is fit for purpose rather than actually worrying about the format. Right. And then uh, from this diagram, we're taking that governance uh, document and we're splitting it into two channels. One is you're firing off to a, a racy chart, which is who's doing what. And another yes. is a process maps. Yeah. So um, as I as I referred to, the, the governance or ITAM document actually then stipulates which processes um, are used to uh, to manage software effectively and for each process then uh, we advocate that you have a process map which is your 30,000 feet view of, of what takes place for a given process and for each process map then there is what we call a process definition document which might be a line manager's point of view or a head of department's point of view of what takes place in that given process. So it might make reference to um, um, ISO goals that we want to, to, to achieve or IT goals. So it's, um, if you like, it's a reminder of the, a summary reminder of the content of the, uh, of the governance document as it pertains to that particular process. But we might also be putting in things like um, upper and lower levels of acceptable behavior for that process, um, what the KPIs actually are, what the, um, the entry point for the process is, what the exit point is. Um, so we, we offer, shall we say, a bit more detail that, that lends itself more to um, uh, management or day-to-day -day management of, of the process then. And what, what, um, if I've, what if I've automated all of this? Let's say that I were talking about this software request process and I've automated it. Yes. So why would I want to write all these documents if I've automated it? Um, it's it's that thing of making sure of uh, of knowledge management and of knowledge transfer as well, because it's all very well saying that um, oh let's let's trust the system. Um, what you tend to find is, and I, I see it particularly in the finance sector, is that if over time you don't document these things or you don't get them as a as an easy point of reference uh, for for either end users or for IT staff. Um, is that systems sit in the ether and then nobody knows what's doing what. Um, at least if there's some level of documentation or some level of engagement, people know where to go to to find this information in the first place, but also the systems stay live and current. Nobody is then living in fear of actually changing anything or switching something off or trying to improve something either. So, and then we've got standard operating procedure. So what's your, for, for the uninitiated, What's the difference between policy 
process and procedure? Yeah, so your policy I, I essentially is a is a one line statement, um, stroke two line max of uh, a declaration of intent of what takes place or, or, or an aspiration of um, the business as to what should take place in a given circumstance. Your uh, procedure then is, uh, I would argue, a bit more detail around how that actually takes place and then your process would be the, the nuts and bolts, the day-to-day, -day, press key A now, press B, key B now, that kind of level of, uh, of detail. Um, so, uh, so really, yeah, we, the way we write the standard operating procedures is we, we take the point of view is somebody steps into, um, uh, steps into a role day one and is given a task to do and uh, they're told, you know, get on with that certain activity uh, and they say, well, we, we don't know how or we don't know where or what or whatever. That level of information should be contained within the standard operating procedure then at that point. And my... Um quick way of re re remembering this is, um, and I'm sure I've bored you with this already, Rory, is the the policy is I want to go and visit my grandmother because that's a good thing to do. So that's the equivalent of your senior manager saying we're going to do Sam. And okay. then the process is I'm going to see her, every, I'm going to get the bus and go and see her every Sunday because that's that allows me to execute against the policy. And the procedure is actually uh, I walk out the front door and I get the number 52 bus and it costs a pound and all that sort of stuff. It's all the nuts and bolts. And my yes. my sort of dummy's guide to why you should write all this stuff down is because if you ever leave the company or people want to scrutinise what you're doing, you can actually show mm. you, oh, well, this is what we've done and this is why we're doing it and this is how it works. Yes. Yeah, indeed. indeed. That's the, that's the uh, thick version of doing it anyway. <laughs> So anyway, um, less of my grandmother. And so standard off procedures, we've off, we've detailed exactly what we're doing at the nuts and bolts level. And that's feeding yes. into, well, let, let's let's take a step back because we've now got a, a few interlinked bits here. So we've got the, the RACI chart, system requirements, training requirements. How do they all link together? Sure. So um, if we dive up slightly to the governance document where we've said this is this is the aspiration or approach that we want to adopt in managing our software assets. The next step in that activity is to say who is doing what and uh, and to what level of engagement they're actually doing that. So that's um, uh, where the racy chart kicks in then at that point. So um, for those again who, who aren't sure on what racy actually stands for, their, their um, initial values of uh, responsible accountable, consulted and informed and um, again the way we've, um, we have we model our processes, if we go back to our, our process maps in SAM Charter, what we will do is um, we assign function steps that comprise a process map uh, to either given individuals or departments but we put that racy value into the process map as well. So even at a, at a sort of a high level perspective, if somebody was to see one of our process maps, they'd know pretty quickly what level of engagement they should be adopting in a in a given process. So could we could we look at a very specific example? Say somebody is leaving the company. They've got right. the P forty five, yes. they're leaving the company. What would the RACI chart look like for that? For for, for, so for, 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 for the assets involved? Right, for the assets involved. So if we if we sort of um, took an example of saying that uh, or we, we finished off the, the process um, the the employee is leaving, uh, 
So the line manager would conduct a check to see that the equipment that they had um, previously been issued with um, was either being returned um, or being declared as lost stroke stolen, because um, it does happen. Um, so they so, would be responsible? So they would be, um, at that point, they would be, I, I always get these mixed up without actually being, without consulting on them straight away. So responsible is actually completing the task. Yeah, the day-to-day -day operational task. You might then argue that the line manager's boss, whoever that might be, would be accountable to see that the step actually takes place. That's where the buck stops. Yeah, exactly. And then um, C4... So, See, well, you might have, con if you're going to have a consulted value in there, you could argue that if there's a step to assess, um, assess assets held by employee, um, the employee would be consulted. And then I guess informed is anyone that wants to know about that process or report. Well, yeah. Is, it, that, is that right? Maybe maybe there's another step then to, to sort of take that, that information that's being gathered by the uh, by the line manager to um, possibly, um, you know, inform inform the SAM manager as an example. So um, so they take that information. That could be then another step, or or maybe they wrap it's all wrapped up in the one step. Again, this is the where we get into the nuances of how a client actually wants to model that because they may want to sort of shoehorn all of that information in all that activity into into one step as opposed to two. But but we we both know, right, that you've been on site and the customer says, yeah, 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 we've got a process for that. And it's yeah. a sort of printed out Visio diagram stuck on a chart somewhere with like curly yellow edges, like an old pirate chart, you know, uh, mm. with, with and the racy chart might say that somebody is accountable for something, but doesn't know the first thing about it. How do you change? Yes. How do you take a racy chart which has got everything perfectly planned into actually happening and, and moving? Well, that's where we um, uh, we take the implementation. You you have to sort of sit down with people and say um, that that way of doing things before. Um, you know, it's um, whilst it might have been modelled that way, what you tend and this is this is one of the things that we do in the assessment as well, because if we, when we document the level of maturity of an of the process, we do practice documents and reviewed in the last 12 months, and we emphasise that point because it's all very well saying that, like you say, you've got this this process map that's curled at the corners and not been engaged with and people just get on and do what they want to do anyway to to see the, the task through um, is to is to make sure that um, that the declaration of the process or the hymn sheet or whatever you want to call it the governance document is absolutely crystal clear has management backing um, which is fed through the racy the racy chart and that as you design the process, you engage the people who are actually you you want to intend to do the process in the first place. So you you get buy-in at the design point rather than actually sort of presenting people with a fait complete because there's no point then if if you do that, you'll just get people's backs up and they won't engage. They'll just go back to doing what they were doing before. So that's got, that's your... I think is is the is the key there is is to get them at de, at the design point. And you've got the, and then two things come together here. We've got the racy chart of who's doing what and who's yes. accountable for what, 
and then we've got the process map showing how we're going to do it and they drive in your diagram here they drive system requirements does that mean yeah. i can go buy a sam tool now to do this stuff so i mean again this is yeah this is the the approach that we would adopt if it is a greenfield scenario whereby a sam tool hasn't been um hasn't been purchased yet then that might be the point at which you actually go and do that and of course it's not just the sam tool as well it could be um, inventory gathering systems that um, that may need to be incorporated in there as well um, and or then you know any other sort of systems that you might want to plug into and say you've got request management systems deployment systems um, you know the list uh, the list can spiral fairly quickly so, so um, um, why system requirements there what why not do that why not buy a sound tool first um, because it's like it's it's like buying a suit. You want to you want to try these things out. You want to make sure that these things fit properly. That they're, um, you know, they're going to make it. It's going to last more than one fitting. Um, so really, the purpose is you, there is some sort of requirements definition. You, you know, as a company, then having gone through this exercise or even part of this exercise at this point, you know what you want from Sam. And once you know what you want from Sam, you can then say. You can make that part of your requirements definition for any um, tech that you buy to uh, to deliver um, against the SAM program. Then at that point, I do love your analogies, Rory. <laughs> the last time we spoke, you spoke about saying SAM is like a bedsheet on a bed. Um, I, I think you, you, you've got an exhaustive supply of of analogies and metaphors. I love it. Have you got like a book there in front of you, random ones? That you can just... <laughs> I think it's I think it's the Irish genes. That's that's okay. all it is really. So yeah, so, yeah nothing so, special. So I know I know who's doing what. I know what the processes are. I've got the governance in place. I've got my senior manager approval, and that's driving my system requirements to actually deliver what I need. And then yes. I've got my licensing and training requirements. What's that? What's so at that point, having um, having gone through your standard operating procedures. Core, core to any sort of SAM framework should be a process that uh, demonstrates, um, you can call it ELP generation, vendor onboarding, uh, OLP report creation, whatever you want to call it, but it should be um, um, treating software vendors um, with the, the uniqueness they deserve for, for how they interpret license terms and conditions. So having modeled all of that then at that point, your how that's actually sort of interpreted in the system and how that's managed on a day-to-day -day basis um, can be dictated by the systems too that you choose the SAM tool. So, so for example, um, Snow will treat SAP one way, Vocus will treat it another, um, Flexera will treat it a third way. You know, the, the, what you do in each of those respective systems is is different. Um, time and time again so you need to make sure that that's captured and captured effectively then at that point um, and we we want to make sure that we've having identified that software um, we, we sort of look look right slightly to terms of reference and job descriptions so that we make sure that if if we find that we are a uh, you know a major Oracle house that we have um, major uh, an understanding of of um, oracle terms and conditions and that should feed into uh, terms of reference and job descriptions so that we put that level of experience in uh, um, in against the the jobs uh, or the job descriptions so that when people do actually apply for jobs we know that they are um, 
that's a tick in the box to say that they, you know, they they are worthy of actually applying in the first place. And finally, you've got a rotary chart that's spinning off a communications plan. Uh, why do why do we need that? So, if if we are going from um, level zero, level one, whatever you want to call it, and we are actually looking to implement SAM, um, you're going to have a, a project requirement to communicate um, progress. Um, off the back of the RACI chart, you pretty quickly identified all your, your primary stakeholders there, um, but you need a communications plan so that you don't um, blitz everybody with all communications about SAM all the time because otherwise they'll just switch off very quickly. So you've got to be um, sending out communications that are appropriate to the people as they need it, when they need it, how they need it. Um, they're, they're good sort of you know fundamental uh, questions to be asking out of a out of a communications plan. In fact, who, what, where, when, why, and how um, are are your sort of best friends there when it comes to actually crafting a communications plan? So we've gone through this uh, 50,000 feet level about the main elements of implementing SAM and processes. How does that all relate to ISO? What does ISO bring to the table here? So at the point that somebody um, posts, shall we say, gap analysis says, oh, yes, and by the way, um, one of our governance requirements um, is to be ISO 19770 compliant very quickly what you find is that aside from any um, immediate processes that have been highlighted in the gap analysis, you're potentially saying, well, here's, you know, I wouldn't say 27 necessarily, but here are um, additional processes and additional outputs that we expect um, to be built into the framework. So that's that's typically where we find that actually ISO comes into the equation. Then is is pretty much right at the beginning. And you've talked about successes and failures of ISO. Where could you give a summary of what you think are the strengths or weaknesses of referring to ISO? Um, the strengths are that it 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 gives you a kickoff point. Really, I mean, if if you're doing this for the first time or you don't know any better, then um, I would argue ISO is a is a great place to uh, get a feel for what looks good, bad, or indifferent in and around SAM anyway. But what I would say is do do take one step back slightly and actually um, make sure that whatever you do implement, don't don't just implement it blindly. Do take the time to think that actually if we implement that a, a given process that's in ISO 19770, what is the business value? Does does this benefit us in some way, shape, or form? Um, we don't just swallow it, it could, just because it's in the best practice document. It, exactly, because what you may find is actually that the time and effort to complete a given process within ISO um, could actually cost you more in terms of the reward that, so, that is actually so achieved. At what point should I be referring to ISO in, in all of this? In uh, at the governance or process maps? At what point do I refer to it? I would say, yeah, between the gap analysis and the creation of the governance documents, because you want to, you want to dip in and get the best from ISO and get the the breadth of experience that's come from the business to say, what do we actually put into our our governance document? Um, what does IT need from from the SAM solution um, in the governance document as well? So, um, so yeah, that would be the point at which I would engage with ISO there. But we can't 
actually get certified for, for ISO, can we? No, not currently. The, the, the standard currently is, shall we say, it's got what we call unadopted status. So nobody has gone to the ISO organization and said, we want to oversee the, uh, the, the governance or the uh, strategic uh, implementation of ISO throughout the world. So you can be, I believe the phrase is accredited. So an organization could say, we will accredit you against ISO 19770. So it's their interpretation of how you've actually done but they can't issue you with an ISO certificate to say you have achieved a given level against the, the, the certificate, or sorry, against the standard. Yeah, or it's in the spirit of the standard. Yeah. Okay, um, cool, so thank you very much for that. So how can we find out more about SAM Charter? Where, where are you on the web? Uh, first f first and foremost, uh, just a side of the, the document there, we've got our URL, so samcharter.com, um, that will, find us very quickly. Um, if you're any sort of user of LinkedIn, uh, then by all means feel free to look me up, Rory Canavan. Um, please feel free to send me an invite. I'm, I'm a, an obliging chap, so I'll, I'll happily click yes. Um, and, 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 and we have a... We're just, we're just dusting off the cobwebs and, um, and uh, working out our Christmas pudding as we speak, first week of January, first couple of weeks of January. So what have you got plans uh, for 2017, what's what's the master plan? What are you guys what are you guys up to at the moment? So, in terms of master plan, uh, we're looking. We have our as I as I touched on earlier, um, our own online SAM process maturity assessment, which is uh, partner friendly and and comes with all kinds of goodies like multiple languages and can scale, etc. And and be customizable too. Um, we're on the, the prowl for more partners as ever. Somebody who, or those organizations which are looking to uh, deliver um, surgical reports uh, in, a, in a lightning fashion, uh, we can really help an organization out there. Um, we're also looking to produce our first benchmarking report. So um, one of the options off that platform is that we can offer a free or a light assessment um, over the last 14 months or so, we've got a range of, of companies who've done that, and uh, we can anonymize the data then at that point, which we've done, and we can offer a, a sort of a global assessment of um, process maturity. So we're, we're quite excited to be getting that out in the next couple of months. And I'd uh, give you a plug as well, Rory. I, I, um, Rory has a lot of process maps on his site as well, so if you're trying to get your head around you know, what does, what does good look like or what, what you just want a jumping off point in terms of how I might implement the process. Um, Rory's got a lot of good process maps, so check out samcharter.com. Uh, Rory Canavan from Sam Charter, thank you very much for your time and uh, look forward to catching up with you soon.